0: Thank you so much everyone for joining me today on Talk To Me Africa. I am really excited because the platform is expanding. I have my guests from Kenya and from India. I am so honored. I would like to welcome Dr. Alok Sharma, who is a neurosurgeon, today to Talk To Me Africa. Welcome, Dr. Sharma.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure, Beverly.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I have plans to visit India and I think I want to go to um, Bangalore because I have co-workers who are from Bangalore. (laughs) Maybe I'll meet you someday in person.
1: Look forward, to that. Look forward to that.
0: Thank you. And we have Sylvia Moramochabo, all the way from Kenya. Sylvia, you're presenting Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. Welcome to Talk to Me Africa. Thank you. And thanks for having us. It is our pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. And Winnie DCP, Kenya. What does that mean? Welcome to Talk to Me Africa.
2: Yes, Mabel. I'm here. I'm Winfred Wagui Magima, DCP Kenya stands for Diaspora Community Projects. So we have projects that we are doing together with other diasporians Mm -hmm. and we are happy today to be here with you, Mabel. God bless you to be the doctor. I'm
3: so happy.
2: I'm so happy. This is God and I'm so grateful. I'm humbled.
0: Thank you. It's such a beautiful network that we have. I couldn't believe that we could have this connection between I'm based in California, you are in Kenya, and Dr. Sharma in India. But hey, when it's something that has to do with the world health, then we will talk about it. So I would like to start with Dr. Sharma today on the show. Dr. Sharma, welcome. What is autism? What is that?
1: So uh, autism is basically what we call a neurodevelopmental disorder. That means it is a disorder of the brain when the brain is developing now, uh, basically in autism, there, there is a combination of three sets of symptoms. One, these children cannot communicate. They don't have speech. And so they are, they aren't able to communicate. Second, they have certain repetitive behaviors. You know, they, they repeat the same actions again, and they can get, uh, hyperactive, they can get aggressive, they can hurt others, and they can hurt themselves. And the third thing is they uh, lack social interactivity. They cannot uh, you know, relate to uh, children of their age, other people, and so they cannot have a normal education, which means these children become dependent. You understand, if you cannot speak, if you've not had an education, uh, if you have certain repetitive behaviors, uh, obviously you are now dependent now the thing about autism is the phenomenal increase you know in the last 20 years or so and about 20 years ago you know one in about 200 children had autism and now it's come to about one in 50 and the incidence is just going on and on increasing now uh, interestingly uh, what we are finding is that people because we have people coming to us from all over the world Mm-hmm. We are finding that people of African origin, okay, when they leave their countries and go to America or Europe, there is a much, much, much higher incidence of autism in them as compared to those who stay back, All right, And so we, we, we don't know what the reasons are, but the fact is that those you know, when, when, when we relocate whether it's the diet, the climate, the, you know, toxins, the environment, there are so many possible reasons, uh, lifestyle changes, but there is a tremendous increase in those who are uh, living overseas, a very, very large number. So, uh, you know, today there are 70 million, 70 million people with autism on the planet, that is 1% of the world's population. People don't realize that, that 1% of the population on this planet today has autism and what is worse is this number is increasing it's increasing exponentially it's increasing very fast and um, we now have a large number of children who are so completely dependent on special needs care on rehabilitation on you know certain medications uh, and, and things like that Mm -hmm. So that is what it is. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder. It happens to occur three times more in boys as compared to girls. Mm -hmm. And uh, the diagnosis is normally made around two or three years. It's just Mm -hmm. when the child is to, you know, get uh, socially interactive that parents notice that the child isn't talking as much. There are behavioral issues and all of that. So that's when the diagnosis is made. So, I actually call aut- autism an epidemic, you know, uh, but it is unrecognized, you know, governments, uh, the medical community, the medical profession, scientists don't realize the very, very massive increase in the incidence of autism. When I was a medical student about 30 years ago, though autism hardly existed. It wasn't even was hardly even mentioned in the medical books. You know, it was such a small incidence. So there is something wrong in the way we are living our lives. Something mm. that in happening. 20 years that there is a phenomenal increase in autism
0: it sounds like the environment is a contributing factor to yeah. autism what about the genetics of the parents
1: yeah so the genetics of the parents also affect you but you have to understand the same parents living in you know one continent and when you know when they're relocating you're actually finding a higher incidence you can have you know uh, in, in a family you know two children one may will have be completely normal and one may have very severe autism so the environment affects but the environment sometimes affects through the mother see what we have to understand is that very often these the the, the problem in this starts in neutral when the child is still in the mother's womb yeah. or you know shortly after. so uh you know and today we find that you know mothers are exposed they're exposed to toxins mm. they're exposed to radiation from you know mobile phones and mobile towers uh, the diet is, you know, the, the, diet has shifted. We, you know, earlier it was, we used to have healthy home diet and now people are eating outside. Mothers are working, uh, you know, then we find, for example, mothers who smoke, there is a much higher incidence of autism in them. We are also finding that, you know, uh, parents who have children later. So mm-hmm. say for example, a father who has a child at 45 years. Will have a three and a half times greater chance of having a child with autism than a father at 25 years and today you realize people are having children later so mm-hmm. the older the parents uh things like smoking then you know depression diabetes and when we talk of mother's health our focus has been only on physical health mm-hmm. but the emotional health is just as important
0: emotional health yeah
1: mm-hmm. anxious so depressed a mother who's stressed out You know, whenever we are under stress, our body releases stress hormones, like one of them is adrenaline and there are some other hormones. Now, if a mother is pregnant and stressed, where are all these stress hormones going? They are also going into the child. You know, so the mother's physical and emotional. I'm emphasizing emotional health is extremely important. When, you know, very often when parents come to us, when we go to the histories, the majority of mothers say that they had a very stressful pregnancy. Mm -hmm. They were under a lot of pressure, family pressure, social pressure, so many other things. And all that also has effect. So there may be no one cause. It may be a combination of multiple factors. Mm -hmm. You not be able to pinpoint a cause. There there are many factors, environmental, genetic, uh, you know, that could possibly be causing this increase in autism. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, wow. I, I learned a lot on these shows thank you so much for that explicit uh, uh definition of autism and what may have cost you answered so many questions already now let me talk to sylvia who um runs andy speaks for special needs persons you are an advocate and also a parent of autistic children yes tell us yes, about I your organization am. to start with
4: all right thank you very much um, and <laughs> thanks for having us as mentioned sylvia Morai is my name i'm a parent of three boys two being on the autism spectrum with a comorbid of epilepsy. So I started this foundation generally because of that, because life here in Africa is very difficult when you have a special needs child. Mm -hmm. Services and access for all of this is extremely, extremely strenuous. And it's like the neurodiverse family is a forgotten thought after everything else is done. So even when policy matters and all that is being done, we are not there. So I founded Andy Speak so that we can champion for inclusion of persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities, plus their caregivers in matters of education, health, and uh, social protection. Because through the journey, now my son is going 12, the other one is going 10, you find that it has just been a struggle. You're forever fighting. You're forever trying to find information. You're like walking this dark path where no one wants to talk about what this is. Even the doctors themselves, First of all, we get the diagnosis very late. Then you start running around. You've not even had time to absorb this. What is this? Why is it? You know. Mm-hmm. Then immediately you have your family already looking at you. Of course, it's always the woman being looked yeah. at. Like, okay, so what did you do? It's your side. It's the mother's problem. fault that my child is autistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because mm-hmm. the men will always say like, "We don't have disabilities in our family." In our family so a good percentile of us are single mothers because of that so you can imagine that and you can imagine the pressure of getting service and it's expensive you know people say pwd's are are poor but disability is expensive if you look at the african setup you have to live your daily life your child has like doctor said they are very dependent you can't find good care because no one can understand your child as easily. If it's a nanny, you'll find yourself changing every other one month, you know, and these children need that consistency and they can't find that. So you find living a normal life becomes very, very hard. And after walking this place for a while, I was like, am I alone in this? You know, so that's why I started getting vocal about it. And I like the traction, the way things have taken for those who started before me and the ones who joined, mm-hmm. because I said, I will put my life out there this is what it is because sometimes you just talk people don't get it they don't understand because they can't paint the picture if they mm-hmm. don't walk your daddy they can't feel your pain you know the first thing is like oh you're a cursed generation there is something you did that people who be told oh you must have cheated on your husband when you were pregnant or oh, you must have i don't know done this or your husband did this or try cleansing let's go for prayers and we're like, wait a minute. None of this is my fault. It, it just happens. Like Doc said, uh, and for me, he has given me an answer of if I look at my pregnancy, it was a very tough period of time. Yeah, I was, was stressful. Mm. You know, I was dealing with my marital issues and I am pregnant, of course, and all that and very early in the marriage and throughout. Of course, you're not going to have it easy right then the baby came early so all these things that always surround us always contribute to what it is but that's cultural stigma needs to end, and that's why we're here advocating and saying like, hey, remember, my child is part of this community just as equally as yours. Mm -hmm. So if it's about having them included and integrated, let's have fair play and meet them at their point of need. Don't just say, oh, all PWDs are going to get uh, this kind of, of, of support when you're not looking at what my child actually needs to thrive in this current situation. So, yeah, that's why we're here, and that's why we make all the noise that we do.
0: We will talk a lot more about the taboo, the African culture surrounding uh, autistic children and everyone with special needs. It's, It's just, we have to start talking about that in order to wipe that, because like Dr. just said, there are other factors that contribute to it. You might, you're not cursed. You, you didn't you mm-hmm. know your husband it's not it's it's other things we need to start learning more about this and so we can talk about them more and uh, to bring in Winnie thank you so much Winnie because you started this uh, conversation with me about autism you have a grandchild who's autistic and getting help is really difficult so tell us about that a little bit more you're muted Winnie there you go you,
2: mm. Mabel uh, first of all is to thank God because of meeting you Mabel and even the way you came up with, like, you need to hear more about autism. Myself, I'm a grandmother. I'm a mother of one baby girl called Sala. And Sala is the baby to my, is the mother to my autistic grandson called Kwame. Mm-hmm. So, myself, I have come to see how these autistic children go about it, but it also affected me. Because my grandson was born in 2016, December 12th. and by that time, I was outside of this country, Kenya. I was living in a country called Comoros. And I was very happy that now I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, and I'm like, oh my God! I wish I, that the day I'll see my my grandson like, talking to me and telling me, oh, grandma! I was so happy. So by that time, I was not able to come back to Kenya. I came back to Kenya last year in 2020 mm-hmm. March. And by that time I came, it's when Corona hit, and I had to vacate Comoros. So I have lived in Comoros more than four years. Without meeting my my family, that is my mm-hmm. daughter and my grandson. So when I came, I was like, "Oh, Kwame, how are you?" The child, I'm telling you, Mabel,
0: said nothing. Not, <gasps> yeah,
2: not mm-hmm. even able to like. I hug him and. He calls me like my grandma, in fact, he was learning away. I was like, what's up? I was happy, I wanted to hug him. I wanted to give him my gifts, the one I brought for him. But my grandson, who was now more than four years old, could not speak to me, could not even come near to me, could not even, it was hard, Mabel. So I lived with my grandson since last year. And um, in fact, by August, already, depression had hit me, stress, anxiety. I had to go, Sylvia, you know very well, even for treatment in Madare Hospital for because of that depression. And it was caused by my autistic grandson. Me, I knew there were children who were born retarded or something like that, but this was too much crying of the child at night. I want to hold him to cool him up. The child is not cooling down. The child is not eating what I think he can eat. I'm unable to know what to do. Even the mother now, my daughter is stressed. She's working. We are not sleeping. So my mm-hmm. brain was like it had been overworked. But I didn't know my <sighs> Trying to find sources. Sylvia. I even came to meet Sylvia because of that, because I was searching up and down where I can get Help. And even to now, I'm talking here, I don't still have the proper the, the way this child can be helped because the child is spending 24 hours in the house. We don't have yet somewhere when we try to go to Kisa to take him for the girl program. It's a process. The child is like the forgotten one. He's, he's just not praying outside with the other kids. So I'm here as a grandmother, I'm here also as a volunteer. Because I am an international frontier, I have even my World Award, an international award, Peace, books for Peace, for supporting children. I support children in prison, children with disabilities, and now I have my own, my own grandson who has autism. So I'm here, Doctor, to hear more about you, to hear even where wishes who, are, who can even help us, to support these kids because they have so, so many basic needs, the diapers, the food, even there are no jobs. The mother is jobless, so I'm here to hear more about autism, to know what we can do, even to help other people who don't know how to go about with the autistic.
0: Wow your story is very intense uh doctor it's unfortunate from what I've heard from you that we cannot even tell the signs until that child is two three years old in her case the child was four years old how can we start telling earlier than that that there's something not right with the child so we can start seeking help early enough
1: yeah so uh this basically comes from awareness and understanding Mm -hmm. of what exactly autism is Mm-hmm. Because unless you are aware, see what happens is very often there are children who tend to speak the uh, average parent thing, they'll say, Oh, this child will, you know, he's not speaking at one year, he'll speak a little later, he will mm-hmm. start doing things. So, but what we have noticed is that all mothers, every mother is the first to notice the first because to to be will child. Know that something is not all right. Mm-hmm. Sorry? But not being medical, they can't pinpoint it, uh, and and you know the love of a mother. You just assume that it's all mm-hmm. normal. It will improve spontaneously. So, uh, but just uh, now, of course, if uh, a parent has a earlier child who is normal and the second child has autism, they tend to pick it up much faster mm-hmm. because they actually notice the differences. They notice that the earlier child. I started speaking at this age, didn't have the behavioral issues, so and a greater awareness and that is what, you know, uh, your program, your radio program will do is a greater awareness that even mm-hmm. when children are born, we need to be conscious. What is it that they can understand? Okay. What is it? How are they processing information? Mm -hmm. So if the brain is like a computer, a computer has got three parts. There is an input. There is data that is inputted, which is our visual, our hearing, our our touch. Then the brain processes this information and then the brain gives an output. In children with autism, the processing is weaker. Okay. Mm -hmm. So although the inputs may be normal, but they aren't able to process it. So just understanding that they are processing information slower. And this may have to do with speech. It may have to do with behavior. It may have to do with education. If we can just get it, this is slower. There's something not all right. And early intervention is very important. The key, the success to the treatment of autism is early intervention because our own data, and we've treated now more than 3,500 children of autism with a combination of treatments. And our data very clearly shows the earlier you treat, the better results you get we've actually shown that autism can be almost completely reversed with our combination of treatments that we are now using at our Institute. So it is possible to reverse autism, but you have to do it early. We have found that ch- when we treat children below five, we get the best results. And then as the children get older, the results, uh, they're still there, but the results are a little lesser. So also with greater awareness we need to investigate so very often what happens is doctors make a diagnosis and just leave the child and tell the parents Mm -hmm. or you know like sylvia and when you know okay just take rehabilitation nothing can be done i think that is the worst thing because you know once you tell parents nothing can be done you take away all hope from them right and uh, once you take away hope there is nothing now you know sylvia here is you know motivated determined she set up a foundation and she's doing all these amazing things and you know vinnie is doing great things for granted but every parent doesn't have the resources or the ability to be mm-hmm. able to do all of that yeah so uh, awareness that number one and and that autism can be treated okay there are several publications all over the world now that are actually showing that if we intervene early and use a combination of what we call cell therapy or stem cells, along with rehabilitation, along with certain oxygen-based integrative therapies like hyperbaric oxygen, you can completely reverse uh, the the damage in the brain. Now, what is happening right now is that once the diagnosis is made all over the world, we're not even looking at their brains. No scanning is being done. You'll be surprised that mm-hmm. most, of the, most of the time they do you know, the brains aren't even scanned and there are special scans now called PET CT scan, positive emission, uh, emission tomography, which are color scans, which actually show you very clearly, which parts of the brain are not working in these children. Mm-hmm. And we have done about 3,500 such scans and we have shown that every child with autism, every single child has certain parts of the brain. That are functioning less as compared to other children and we've done these scans in normal children as well and normal children don't have that so we've actually published this in a scientific paper showing that these parts of the brain are not working appropriately now once you know what part of the brain is not working appropriately you can actually treat it you can fix it so uh, my message to the world is autism is to be treated like any other medical problem which can be fixed and fortunately, it can be fixed with very simple methods. They wow. don't require any intervention, they don't require, you know, uh, any, nothing major, nothing like a, a brain surgery or anything else. Yeah. So very simple. We've actually shown, you know, the damage before, and we have done the treatment, and six months later, we've done the scan, and we've seen that, you know, uh, the damage is not there anymore. And uh, we, we, of course, pioneered this treatment, but now this treatment is happening all over the world. And uh, now it's even available in America. I mean, they've started at one of the universities there. They've started this treatment, so it is picking up. But uh, this treatment has developed more in the East, so India, China, Japan, Korea, mm-hmm. you know, Asian mm-hmm. countries have been doing more of this as compared to Western countries. Because your know, mind will be wondering if this treatment is available. How come it's not available in Africa?
0: Uh, that's my, good my next question. What are the resources in Africa? We have to go to the Neurogen Brain and Spine Institute to get the treatment. What's going on?
1: <laughs> because, because in Africa, Africa and you looks to the West. Mm-hmm. So the moment something is available in America, I agree. Once the USFD approves, the whole world approves. Unfortunately, this treatment is not developed in America. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coming now. I mean, now there is, uh, you know, they've just about started doing it now. Uh, we've been doing this for the last uh, 13 years. i have been doing this since 2008. So that's the reason uh although th- you know thousands of patients have been treated in Asian countries uh it's not picked up as much in Africa because Africa looks to the West it's just it's just something that's colonial- how it is. No.
0: yeah that's how it is that's- colonialism still hits us that way so uh, let me stay with you a little bit uh Dr Sharma so uh, referring to Winnie's grandson who cannot even say a word can be welcome Grandma if you had to treat him, what can he do? So my question is the track record from your institute, the child who could not even say a word, cannot say welcome grandmommy, cannot even communicate with other kids, what do they do after the treatment? Do they become completely normal or they can do some things to some level?
1: So again, it all depends on the age of the child. Okay. What we have seen is that those kids who are below five, they get back. They become what we call. So over here we don't use the word normal. We call them neurotypical. It's a Got medical it. term for what is normal. Every child we've treated below five is now become neurotypical. Every single one. All right. Uh, those who are between five and ten before actually puberty. So we found, you know, puberty. That's the time when a boy becomes a man. You know, like develops mm-hmm. a mustache, develops sexual organs. Those who are treated before puberty are the next best group. So almost all of them, uh, you know, are now going to normal schools. They're independent for the daily activities. They're not dependent anymore. The majority of them have gone off the spectrum. But then once they cross puberty, for some reasons, because in puberty, there's a flush of hormones, testosterone. You know, the, the brain becomes a little different. The results are lesser. The moment they cross puberty, there is a big difference. They still improve. But the results are much lesser after puberty. That's why our entire focus is early intervention. okay? We can reverse autism. and I'm saying reverse autism. I'm not saying uh, you know, reduce it. I'm saying reverse it, but we have to treat it in time, early intervention. And uh, we have to use this com, and there is no one treatment. It's a combination of treatments. Mm -hmm. So one one set of treatments is something called stem cell therapy, although that sounds big, really all we do is we take a needle, we put it into Mm -hmm. the bone, that is the uh, the pelvic bone, just above the the hip bone, and we take out the liquid in the bone, which is called bone marrow. Uh, It's a 15 minute process. You understand? Take a needle, put it in the bone and take out the liquid in the bone called bone marrow. This bone marrow is taken to the laboratory where it is sort of filtered and the stem cells are removed from it. And once we have the stem cells, then with a very thin needle, we inject it into the, into the spinal fluid in the lower back, the lower back side. Why the spinal fluid? Because the spinal fluid goes directly to the brain. So when we inject it below, it directly goes to the brain. That's all. There's just two needle pricks. With one needle prick, we are taking out bone marrow. And with one needle, we are putting back stem cells from the bone marrow. We are taking cells from the child and mm. putting it back into the child, into without, the child. The mind, without so this this is natural this is natural healing this is the way god had meant the body to heal using our own good cells you know to to repair the damage that has been caused so there, with no surgical intervention there is no cut there is no stitch there is nothing it's a simple process you know 15 minutes to take out and another 15 minutes to inject and um, it, there, there's a gap in between when we actually separate the stem cells uh, the beauty of this treatment is it's a very, very safe treatment. So uh, we've treated more than three thousand five hundred children with autism. We've treated wow. another three thousand odd of cerebral palsy. Totally, we've treated more than ten thousand patients from seventy different countries, and it's a very, very safe treatment. There are no major adverse events, side effects. We've not had anybody who after the treatment has become worse than before. Because what are we doing? It's two needle pricks. You know, like how you collect, you know, how you take blood out for blood collection, so mm-hmm. taking out blood for bone marrow. And putting the child's own cells i keep emphasizing that there is nothing from the outside we're using cells from the child putting it back in the child you know? so but along with this so we have found that this helps in repairing the brain damage inside but along with this rehabilitation is extremely important so yeah. combination of occupational therapy of speech therapy of behavioral therapy psychological therapy special education art-based therapies aquatic therapy so we found that, uh, okay, let me make, you know, it's like, if the brain is like a computer, a brain, uh, computer's got hardware and it mm-hmm. has got software. Mm-hmm. Stem cell therapy fixes the damage in the hardware. Stem cell mm. therapy does not software. So once the damage in the hardware is, is, uh, is made, now the therapy is put in the software.
0: That's okay. a very good way to That's
1: explain it. Therapy, the therapies are extremely important. You know, people think you do stem cell, my child will become okay. No, that's just half the job. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, we, if, if, if you have the world's best hardware, but if there is no appropriate software, there, there isn't going to be a response. What was happening was up to now earlier, we were giving, we are trying to put software mm-hmm. into damaged hardware. Yeah. You know, like give us imagine, you know, if, if your leg is fractured, you know, your, your, your leg bone of your leg is broken and I force you to run. Or I mm-hmm. force you to walk or I keep making you do physiotherapy on a broken bone. Mm-hmm. Will, you be able, will you be able to achieve results? Mm-hmm. Obviously not, the bone is broken. But if you go to an orthopedic doctor and he fixes it, he puts a plaster plates to joins your bone. Now when you give physiotherapy, now you will be able to, you know, walk, run, do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So what we are doing now is we are giving rehabilitation therapy on damaged brain which Mm -hmm. I believe is so unfair because the children cannot, you know, when the brain is damaged, they cannot do the things Mm -hmm. that we are expecting them to do. Just like you cannot walk. You are the world's best athlete. You may be a Olympic gold medal winner, but if your leg is fractured, you can't walk, you can't run, you can't stand. So we have to fix the damage first. And that's what stem cell therapy does. But then rehabilitation is equally important. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And what we are now finding is that when we combine these two, with uh there's, there's another very exciting form of treatment that is oxygen based therapies mm. uh, but one particular type is something called hyperbaric oxygen which is very very simple there's just a chamber you know you the mother and the child just go inside and you lie down and there's there's a nice tv with cartoons the child can watch and oxygen is given under high pressure so that oxygen then goes into the deepest parts of the brain and uh, it, it helps in a faster recovery so what we are now finding is that when we give stem cell therapy combined with rehab with these oxygen-based therapies, hyperbaric and you know some certain other uh, combinations, we are getting the best results we've seen in years. You know, wow. uh, children who are unable to speak have started speaking within months. Their behavioral issues are getting resolved. Oh, wow! You know, they're they're, they're able to uh, you know do things that earlier were more socially they're, interactive. Mm. they socially interactive. They're shifting from special school to normal schools. Wow. You know, I've got kids who could not speak, who are now speaking in eight languages. Can you imagine? A child who had no speech. You know, we have this child from America who's, you know, uh, from no speech is now talking in eight languages. I mean, and that's so, so completely amazing that, you know, amazing. Uh, a child yeah. So this is all documented. All our work is published in scientific papers. So we have over a hundred papers, 107 papers to be precise. The world's first scientific paper on uh, the role of uh, cell therapy in autism was written by us uh, the second paper came from china the third paper came from italy and the fourth and fifth have come from america hmm. so uh, we are sort of uh, leaders in that uh, but my, my my wish is that there should be greater awareness of this yeah so that,
0: that's why we're talking on platforms like this yes uh,
1: that you know that uh, you know i'm just hoping that doctors in in kenya doctors in different countries in Africa, and you know, they hear about this and they, mm. they, you know, plan to start these treatments and we offer, we offer free training. I mean, we, anybody who wants to start is welcome to come and learn from us. And we, uh, you know, uh, we, you know, there's a stem cell therapy center in Vietnam where they, they send the entire team, we train them and they've gone back and, you know, they're, they're, they're they've started the whole, they're doing their there. own. Yeah. We're happy, to train people. We're happy to train people because, you know, there's only so much we can do. There are only seven yeah. days in a week. You know, we need to and spread so it, to it out knowledge. there. Mm -hmm. 70 billion kids with autism unless each country starts doing it themselves we are not going to move ahead there are too many children Mm -hmm. and the important thing is the earlier you treat the better so these kids don't have time you know Mm -hmm. if i could treat a child today i i can get a very different set of results than if i treat them after three years
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. you know it's it's like any disease, it's like cancer. You know, you treat cancer early, you get much better results. You treat cancer late, advanced, the same patient don't get good results. Mm-hmm. That's true of anything, whether it's diabetes, whether it's you know kidney disease, it's heart yeah. disease. The earlier you treat, the better results you get. Fundamental principle of medicine. I agree. Our children don't have the time. Okay. Yeah. And we we can't be waiting and doctors saying nothing can be done. We have to be aggressive. And that's where the role of you know Sylvia and our foundation, Andy speaks and. And you know d c b Kenya where because governments listen to people, they listen to parents, they listen to uh you know uh, the messages from the ground, mm-hmm. and that I believe is what will make the difference it is so 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 uh, Sylvia,
0: from what Dr. Sharma has just said, what kind of resources do you have where you are in Kenya you know for your children and for others who have special needs?
4: Oh resources is one thing we're always fighting for because even if you go to a public hospital, you will find they say, "Oh, we have therapy." We walk into the therapy room. The only thing there is is a doctor with a massage oil, and you're like, "Okay, where's the therapy?" You understand? Well, it needs like the doctor say it's very intense therapy to support. But we and have the therapy comes
0: after, right, Doctor Sharma? It comes after it's the treatment after, has after been, diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. first what of really all, like,
1: it's not available at all. I mean, they, yeah. you know, it's, not there, it's not there before, it's not there after. It's just not there. Yeah. Oh, it's wow. not there. And
4: and you look at uh, what he mentioned about twenty years ago. Autism was not even in the textbooks being mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. Even now, our education system has we not. We still don't have uh, created, it. You know, so mm-hmm. that means uh, identifying it. Uh, he said the three to four. We are still at seven to eight. And then he's talking about intervention below five. What hope are we looking at over here? You see, so that's why we're saying we really need to talk about it so that parents who've not yet given birth, parents who are going to give birth or have already had children can pick it up themselves and actually do something about it. Because that's the only way we can only help ourselves at this point and also talk about it and hope that the government can interject. Because I know even in the places that I see in, that's what I'm pushing for. We need inclusion. We need systems to change, you know. We need this to be talked at uh, levels where if it's high school change the syllabus in um, what you call it in our colleges so that that doctor that nurse who's fast handling your child will be able to identify and not feel and flinch and be like I don't want to be the bearer of bad news you're hurting me you're denying my child an opportunity because you do not have the guts to come out and tell me you're doing me a disservice as as a as a as a servant or to the public you're doing me a disservice you'd rather tell me and just lay it out to us gently so services even going around schools i've had my child in school but with COVID, schools are not taking our children because they can't put on a mask i've been looking and looking and all the ones that are saying they can accommodate they're just not affordable we have to be realistic we have medication nutrition you know, and then now education, which is very expensive. And I, I know I've heard about um, uh, next gen several times, even we've been talking to government and saying like, can the government health service support us to get our children these services? It's not yet approved, you see. Wow. So if I can't fundraise, if I can't afford it one way or another, as much as I would love, I would do anything for my child to get this, absolutely i have to fly him to india i have to think of how he's going to stay there look at me with two of them i'm everything we're talking about i look at it on the double you know all the services because you you're, you're looking at the, the issues you're going through and you have to think of how much is it going to cost me flight only i have to go go with the two of them and probably have a minder because you know it is a lot and you get there you have to think of accommodation then the process itself so not that We don't want the support. We can't afford it, you know. And for me, what breaks my heart is to hear that now that my son is a preteen, it's like my hope is dwindling with each day. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the hardest journeys. And um, as much as you put yourself together and we stand out there
0: every day, you emotional, yeah.
4: Every day you go back, you look at your child and you have tried. I look at all the things I've tried to do and you ask yourself, how can I split myself to be out here to be there for him, to give him the best he needs and at the same time provide, because as a single parent, bottom line, you have to provide, you know, so that's the point you're like, something's got to give, which one do, so we're trying to change the system, so it's more accommodative for our children. You know, at least those ones who have passed already and we're doing the best we can, but the gaps are crazy. The gaps in health, social protection and even in education, the gaps and the services are just not easily available. And if they're there, it's by name. They're not well equipped to cater for it. You know, we have had, if you look at the levels of, I know we're talking about autism, but if you look at the levels of cerebral palsy in our country, out of doctors' negligence, it's skyrocketing. Just because now these days you can become a doctor because you pay for the paper. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, and people are not seeing that. We have parents suffering, we have children dying because of some small things, and just because someone put uh, monetary benefits before human mm-hmm. life. So i think we need to get back to our roots where some things are more important than others you know where we think about the community at large where we think about the person next to you and not just what's in it
0: for me for me As yeah an individual. yeah and yeah back. yes
4: then that way when you think about everyone and what everyone else needs maybe we'll see some progress you know maybe. especially in integration and um Because one of the hardest things we have as caregivers is the stigma our children face. Mm. It's crazy. It is insanely crazy. So that's why you will try and and, and see that you want to do something, you want to go out, but you think of the pain because the parent feels the pain. My child will not understand why someone is behaving. You won't feel the pain. pain. But for you as a caregiver, it kills you. It breaks you down to Mm. pieces. Mm-hmm. So sometimes mm-hmm. you just like, we'll do our own thing over here, like you guys. We're not do. going over
0: there, yeah, inclusion no. is a big thing, it's yeah, a big thing, yeah, it's, a big it's a big thing. Winnie, what about you? What about the resources that you have available? I know it's a, the same country, but what, what's your community like? like, your immediate community and the resources that you have for this? Are there any? Uh, Mabel, Julie,
2: about resources. as. Sylvia is talking about, it really brings us down, especially a time like this of COVID-19 pandemic Mm -hmm. season, Mm -hmm. where even those who had jobs are jobless, where even those who can learn to, to ask even for support, they don't have anything to support. They have the sympathy, but they don't have anything to support these children. Myself, I've tried areas, I've tried relatives, I've tried friends, and I'm like, I don't know what to do now. But I'm happy that I met you, Mabel. because Mm -hmm. now we can be able to know if there is anybody out there who is Mm -hmm. ready to support these kids, who is Mm ready to help, to give a hand, so that what Doctor Shamar is telling us, we can have another intervention. For example, my grandson. My grandson now is four years, eight months. That means now I'm worried. I'm now, he's now almost the five years that Dr. Tamale is talking about. And he has said that this early intervention is the best, best, best result that which can bring the best results to the kids. And when the child is after five years, well, he is saying that the child will still get the, the results, but they will be lesser. And he has given good examples like mm-hmm. those who are that those who have diabetes. We all know that if a cancer is treated at the average, it, 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 it is better if diabetes is treated. Even people go to, back to normal But now, resources are bringing us down. They are actually bringing us down because when we don't have anything to plan about, even that money, you cannot say that I have money, I have even I know what to do. The the, the only tricky thing about this this autism is that we don't roll like rushing even to the hospitals whereby even you can say, okay, I can even get a debt so that my child can be treated. This is nothing. There are no insurances for autistic children. There is nothing, nothing about where you can get these resources for these autistic children. So what I'm asking everyone is that, dear ones, let us hear from the doctor let us have the planning because I believe in planning first and money mm. comes second. If at all we talk about the resources, when we don't know what to do with that, those resources, we will, will also get lost and we will not give the child
0: exactly. what we exactly. need. So yeah. Yeah. What,
2: what we need now is what we are hearing from the doctor. We have the planning and then we find the resources second. There is also another thing, feeding programs for these children. It's a great, great, great issue because the food they are eating is not the food that other children are eating. There are some foods that even my grandchild has been told not to use. He has been told not to take milk. He has been told not to take wheat. He has been told not to take anything to do with sugar. So all mm. these things now you have to go to another budget that you don't have. And this is where we are crying, we are getting depressed, we are getting like now it has affected me, it has also affected the manner. And also there's something Sylvia has talked about, about going back, going to be a single manner. I have seen that those children, those mothers who are having autistic children, they are being abandoned by the mm. other parents. Mm. Yeah. instead of bringing up the child as a father and a mother the father when he sees the child is autistic the father disappears
4: mm-hmm.
2: and it's the a mother's mother, fault yes that is the body and now that's burden of bringing up an autistic child is too burdensome. and even now you see it brings down the relationship between the mother and the husband yet even the child like my grandson loves the father so much He's like always oh, daddy. He's like, you see, he's like, oh, he's like trying to call even somebody like Baba. In Kenya, Baba is daddy. He's mm-hmm. like even trying to say that. But he's nowhere to be found. So it is also causing those you know, disintegrations in the family. And even though we can have the early intervention, as the doctor is saying, I believe these are kings and queens of our countries.
0: They are.
2: With what we have started today, uh, the lives of our autistic children and grandsons will never be the same again.
0: Never. Thank you. Sylvia wanted to add something to that.
4: Yeah. Um, now you see, when we are in a situation where everyone is for themselves, so you find ourselves as the caregivers, we have come together and we're trying to also, you know, just. Interject to take care of our own children, so we run projects like during COVID. We realized, um, especially children who are autistic and with celebrate just the neurodiverse community, uh, we were losing kids through uh, lack of access to bare essentials like anticonvulsants medicine. No one ever talked about it. We just have it in hashtags in the groups. And even the medication was not available in the country, we had to go call out media and try and point this out for something to be done by the ministry. We were asking the prices also quadrupled. We're asking why it's essential medication. It's not available and where it's available, it's like gold. Today it's there. The price is skyrocketing and we have to buy it for our children. So I know as an organization, we did a fund drive for this medication. We still have people asking. I know Winnie asked about this one some time back, but we do not have the funds anymore because COVID hit everywhere. We cannot afford to support even the small families who need it very much. The other thing that we are doing with the awareness is that we usually do autism awareness every year where we we ride for autism awareness and then the process we try identify a center where we're trying to set up therapy centers and equip mm-hmm. it and properly equip it and schools because we want to have it that like doctor said if you ha- don't have the intense therapy even if you take the child to school for how long it's not gonna work right So we're trying to talk to government to set up a sample like, hey, watch this, we have therapy as part of our classes, that it's going to work because we've seen that is how it it supports, because there is only so much you can do at certain points, you know, and that's what we're trying to do as an organization, and we hope that at least we'll be able to keep at it and also see that there'll be change. um the government itself does not support you sometimes you know it makes it very very difficult especially in the matter's yeah. health you know because that is the one thing that goes hand in hand yeah it, it is a rights issue disability is a rights issue but it was also before a medical issue it's just that now it is a basic right the same way my health is my basic right so i will call upon our governments to just you know wake up and do something you yeah know, there is something. no The minute you help this child, they're going to be a resource to the government. How many servants do we have? But they're rotting away because the education system and they don't have that uh, opportunity. No one has space for that high intelligence. You will be branded as weird instead of people identifying and embracing that. And that is a resource that we let to just go away. You know, those are some of the challenges that I, our systems need to wake up and see the positives and we stop focusing on what they can't do. You know, like Doc said, the child went through the, the, um, the treatment, now they can talk eight languages. If their parent hadn't taken the step to do yeah. this, then yeah. what? It's just another loss, which is a resource to the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now,
0: Dr. Sharma, also you have some um slides to share with us today um before we tackle the last segment which would be the cultural approach that we have in africa why do we consider people that have special needs as bewitched or the curse or something before we get there do you have the slides you want to
1: share with us most of the things have spoken but i'll just you know with the visual it's a little better uh, mm-hmm. can you see the
3: presentation
1: yes, yes. all right I, I won't go through the whole thing i'll just i'm going to run through a little fast So what I basically want to show was that what works is a combination of the cell therapy, rehab and integrative. So I Mm -hmm. want to remember it's free. And the example I gave was, you know, this is like a broken bone. And would we give rehabilitation on this? We would not right? We would put plates, screws and fix it. But this is what we are doing to our children with autism. See, this is a brain scan where the blue is damaged. We are giving them rehabilitation on damaged brain. What if we could regenerate the brain like this? Yeah. (laughs) again you'd obviously the rehabilitation would have much better results so the old thinking was that the nervous system does not regenerate but the new thinking is that some amount of regeneration is possible yeah uh, so i'll just so basically the word stem uh, uh, comes from the stem of a tree and just like a stem of a tree gives rise to branches leaves fruits etc uh, you have some uh, cells which can give rise to any cell of the body so stem cells, their qualities, one is they multiply. Second, they convert. That's the most beautiful part. So we take a, the same stem cell. It can become a brain cell, a heart cell, a muscle cell, depending on where wow. you put it. And that's the beauty of the stem cell, that it can become whatever you want. Anything. And yeah. it. Multiply, and it uh, this is just to show you, this is from our own research. This is not from the internet. This is what a stem cell looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you put it back, this is it, these are all brain cells. So you can see that they've the stem cells have converted into brain cells or neurons so now we know that stem cells convert into brain cells they also release certain growth factors in the body and they improve blood supply so uh, i'm just going to skip all of this and uh, uh, so this is basically what we are doing is we are using healthy good cells to replace the damaged cells so here you can see you know the blue is the damaged part in a child with autism you give stem cells and you can fix the damage uh the stem cell therapy has got the nobel prize you, you know the nobel prize is given this week you may have been hearing mm-hmm. yes it. three times 15 years the nobel prize has gone to stem cell therapy and uh, we ourselves uh, have published uh, like i said you know over 100 papers and uh, this is in, now they're international textbooks this is a book on autism and you can see that there's a chapter in this stem cell therapy in autism, which they asked us to write. Mm-hmm. And there's a book on cerebral palsy, where again the stem cell therapy chapter we wrote. Uh, physical disabilities, etc., muscular dystrophy. I'll just uh, run through all. So this is just to show you how the treatment is done. A uh, small video. Uh, you can see, see, you can see this needle, and this is the bone marrow right. out. You can see right. It. And then we take it to our laboratory, where we separate the cells, and with uh, very thin needle we injected back right so as you can see just two needle tricks with one we took out and we one we injected and uh uh i'll just quickly run through uh, this this uh we, have, we all are familiar with so i'll just come to show you some of our results uh, so oh, these are our results uh this was uh which show that 33% of our patients had a significant improvement. That means the autism was completely reversed. Like I said, all these kids were pre-puberty. In 29%, there was a moderate improvement, 20% mild and 10% didn't improve. So this was between 10 and 20 years and Mm -hmm. all these, they were over 20. So there's a very classic this thing that if you treat early, you can reverse the autism. The later you treat, the lesser results you get. and I'll just send okay. So this this shows you the chain. Now, above is the brain scan of the same child. This is a top mm-hmm. view, a front view, and a side view, and whatever's blue is damaged. Can you see? And yeah. below the same child six months after stem cells. And you can see this damage is complete. Look at that. This is objective two, yeah And I'm showing you one or two. I've got 3500 wow. scans that show that the damage before gets completely resolved, you know. Just to show you another, you can see the blue is the da- above is before stem cells mm-hmm. and afterwards the damage is gone. Uh, again, you can see the, the above is before stem cells and afterwards the damage is gone. And this over the years, in some when we do it serially over the years, we find that the improvement continues. Whatever improvement is there, it sort of continues. And uh, like I said, the world's first scientific paper was published by us. Uh, this is our paper. And the second paper came from China, the third from Italy, and the fourth and fifth have come uh, from the, the new world in America. America. Yeah. So that is just, and we have published several other papers. And uh, uh, here's this, uh, you know, just to show you this child, uh, you know, this last couple of seconds. This. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'll show you. This, I think we this, this is a story of three triplets. We went to different dogs. Doctor- so this is, you know. Uh, we understand having one child with autism, how difficult it can be. Sylvia has two children. Sylvia you know, has two,
3: yeah,
1: and here, this is just a, you know, a small, very 30 second video of a sure. mother from Kentucky, Nairobi, who had three triplets. All three had autism. Wow. And how this mother managed it, just let's very quickly have a look at that. Sure, no we, went
3: doctors, we went to different hospitals. And when I brought it up, they were like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry. It's because they are boys, they are triplets. They were premature. I would be walking out and I'm like, bye. No child is crying. No child is waving back bye. And by then for sure, I knew that they should be doing that. children had this behavior of disappearing. In fact, Eric disappeared three times in the middle of the night. The biting, the spitting, the scratching. How are we going to stop this behavior? We went to see the neurologist and in five minutes, is said is children autistic.
2: As parents, it was very traumatizing. First of all, we didn't
3: understand what autistic means. So I decided to really get to read a lot about autism. I remember the first time I read about stem cell. I was like, wow, this is really good.
2: <laughs> we had a lot of questions which we asked, and we got very clear answers from Dr. Sharma.
3: The day of the stem cell itself came, actually I was a bit anxious, of course, but really I didn't have fear. A bit of apprehension, anxiety,
1: of course, as a mother, but I knew they are in good hands. We put a needle in this pelvic bone and then we take out the bone marrow, which is the fluid inside the bone. The pure stem cells, once they are ready, a thin needle is inserted into the lower back. We inject the stem cells into the cerebrospinal fluid. It flows all the way up to the brain.
3: Things that would have taken probably years to be accomplished in my sons, in like eight months time, we've really been able to come very far.
2: They used to defecate on their clothes, but now they can use the toilet. We've seen a lot of improvement in terms of spitting. The tantrums have reduced. Sleeping used to be a problem before, but at the moment, he is taken to his bed. It takes a few minutes, and he is asleep.
3: You see my son cycle. You try to make them understand what it is to pedal, and they couldn't. But after stem cell, when we arrived in Kenya the following day, and we went out, and these guys could cycle. Send you to buy tomato paste, okay? I'm going to send you to buy what? Tomato paste. In the shop. Where is the shop? It's here. Okay. So I'm going to give you money for what?
2: To buy tomato lollipop. Wow. I'm going to wear my shoes. That's right.
3: parents ask me, so do you really think stem cell works?" And I'm like. I can see changes. I can touch, I can feel, I can smell. Of course, for me stem cell works. I'll do it until my children get well.
1: Uh, hmm. Video. So, and by the way, this this movie is uh, wow. uh You know, it's it's about three, almost over three years old. Wow, I, I got kids, emotional. <laughs> you know, uh, actually, just you know, they they, they are now they're going to normal schools. These kids,
4: yeah, yeah.
1: You heard Peter after the stem cell? There was no yes. okay. All right, this kid was oh talking. Oh my god, they are now wow. going to normal school. Okay, I mean, uh but but the mother has really worked hard on them. I mean you know, I mean, uh, she has two other daughters and three triplets, and she has just worked so hard single-mindedly, you know, so a lot of So the one message, the one single message that I want to pass on to all the parents and -hmm. the families of the daughters is do not give up hope, because if we give up hope, our children have nowhere else to go. All right. And we have, you know, a very brave and courageous mother here, Sylvia and a grandmother, but not all parents have that because when they go to multiple doctors and they're told nothing can be done somewhere inside they break All right, and that is the one thing that should not happen we do not give up we keep trying whether it is rehabilitation whether it is diet whether you know uh, it is the overall day-to-day training daily activities whether it's education we have to keep going ahead because there's and there's just one more you know some, some something very important what we've seen mm-hmm. is all these kids once they come out, they have some special qualities. They have these amazing special qualities. Uh, it may be ability to, you know, calculations, or it may be art, or it may be music, or it may be dealing with some chemicals or electronics. And, and uh, it is very important once they start coming out of the, of the spectrum to identify mm-hmm. that, and then to develop that into a vocation, because once they get into that, they are right on top of it. So my message is, our children with autism are not less than they are different i want to repeat that they are not less than they are different okay and once we recognize the difference then we celebrate that difference and then what we take is we and you know we identify what they have that is special that is sometimes even better than us you know they, they have these abilities which 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 we can't even think or dream of doing and uh know the world famous uh, scientist einstein he had autism i don't know if you're aware of it but einstein had autism Mm -hmm. you know some Mm -hmm. of the biggest things today who've changed the the world uh, have had some amount of attention deficit disorder these people have a brilliance that's unique all right and there's also something very special about children with autism they have a simplicity they have an honesty they have a transparency they don't know how to cheat they don't know how to lie Mm -hmm. they have a hot they have a purity of intention their love is so unconditional mm. so we understand these special qualities because we take them and then they actually are a gift back to us and to humanity they can give us much much more than uh, uh, you know uh, we, we expect them from but it is important that we bring about the shift and governments may or may not do it doctors may not do it but parents can and will but you have to keep that hope alive And, you know, organizations like Andy Speaks and uh, DCP Mm Kenya, and your program. This is the difference that you can make. The audience hears. you know, for the mother who has been told that nothing can be done from your child, when she, for the first time, hears that something can be done, when she watches this video of the triplets, you know, for the first time, she will sleep well at night knowing that something is possible for my child, because one of the nightmares that parents have is what after us parents believe okay as long as we are there we look after our children but mm-hmm. who will look after the children after us and that is something that it yeah. gives them sleepless night yeah but once they know that there is hope and it's not just stem cells i'm not talking about stem cells you know aggressive rehab integrative therapies diet all these things matter but the important thing is not to give up i mean that's my one single message that our children are not less than they are different
0: Yes, even with autism, they're not less than, they're simply different. I know we're running out of time, but I want to talk about something real quick before we leave. Uh, the, the the approach that you get in the community, Sylvia and Winnie, about your children and your grandchild, as far as the African perspective is concerned. I don't know if it's lack of knowledge, but there's something. I grew up in Cameroon. I now live in the United States, but I am a full-blown Cameroonian, came here as an adult. But we have this culture across the continent of... Referring to people who have special needs as, oh, they're cursed. Oh, go check out your great-grandmother's grave and see what happened. Oh, go for some cleansing. Sylvia, Mm -hmm. please address that for a
4: minute. You've been told to travel across, go to Nigeria, go to all these places. I have heard of a preacher here. It's the story of our lives every day when everyone thinks they have a solution. And everyone thinks autism is a disease, you know and yes we know it is a condition and it's a neurodevelopmental yeah there's so many people who take advantage of our situation right now you know trying to con them here lie there there Mm. and 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 take advantage which is very very sad even before that acceptance even how our own doctors deliver the message you know And, and and like the doctors say don't give up hope but you know, we are always crushed before we are even given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because one of the first things after diagnosis, especially for our fellow CP children, you will hear your child will not amount to nothing. Just wait for them to die at five. Oh you God. know, that's a doctor telling you that. There so many oh stories we've heard. You know, some people will tell you this is not a child. I don't even know why you want to continue. You know, you should just get rid of it. We have cultures that actually support. Yeah. We have cultures here, especially our Nailot friends, the nomads, where if a child is born disabled, the baby is put at the entrance of the cow shed. So the cows will be allowed to leave. If that child is run over and they die, then they say that, that child was not good enough for the world. But if that child survives, they say the child has a purpose. That is how deep rooted the stigma is in our country. That's culture. Once you already have the child, and you have your diagnosis or you walk out with your child the stares that you get you know then people looking at you like okay so what happened what did you do wrong because it's always that that's the one thing that everyone will ask you what did you do wrong you know who 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 in your family is a curse who could you check in your family or something where, where if someone else has it Or if not, then you need to find out who did something wrong that the gods have decided you will pay for their sins. And you think and you're like, holy Jesus, I was not even in existence in those eras you're talking about for me to start looking back into historical background to try and figure out what someone did that this is falling on me. That's the culture and the stigma that we have from very, very many different, but the bottom line is our children are considered more of a burden. There are those parents out, when we were doing outreach and awareness you identify an autistic child who's been locked up you try and give diagnosis then the father themselves will be like i don't want to hear about that story because my husband will leave me the minute we put a brand to it you so the
0: denial as well
4: and that denial because you're trying to hold on to the marriage you're trying not to be left you're trying not to be labeled you know, because the minute it's told your child has a disability and this is it, you know, they feel like, okay, from there they'll just be sort of excommunicated, you understand. So you're trying to balance your sanity, your reputation, you're blending in into society, uh, but that's mostly we go to the rural. In this day and age, um, what do you find the, the more, the more um, educated will just simply not take their kids out in public, you know. They, were, they can afford private tutors, they can afford mm-hmm. home therapy, you know, someone told me, we went for a funeral next door, this grown man walks in, and we're all looking at you like, who's this, and that's when they discover there was an autistic child who has grown up their same age, is a fully grown man, and no one knew about it, that's the level of shame that people have, because yeah. of having an autistic child, and I'm like, There is nothing wrong. Like the doctor said, there is nothing. They're just different. So can we just focus on the ability and not the label? Yeah. Let's see the able and not the labels. Simple. And nothing nothing will change because that gives you an opportunity to give this child the best life they can get. Once you embrace it and accept it, because it is one of the hardest, hardest things speaking as a parent, embracing it is the hardest step because the other thing is if you don't you can't move forward Mm. because you will keep wallowing on the why me what did i do and all this noise from everyone else instead of trying to salvage your child and try to give solutions that will give them a better life and a better opportunity you see, so that's why awareness and advocacy is such a big deal so that we are able to have early intervention, we are able to be listened to, we're able to be included, and facilities to be set up. I'm very happy to hear that actually it is open that someone here can set up a spell, uh, stem cell center and make our lives easier. Because you see, if you cut the flight, it would be more affordable. If you cut the accommodation, that's so far, if it's easier here at home. It will make it more accessible for us who desperately want to change the lives of our children. But yeah. sadly, the economic vision cannot allow, you know. And right yeah. now, especially with COVID, even if you say you want to do a fundraiser, trust you me, when people already look at you and that lens of this child will amount to nothing, you're already halfway cooked, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's all upon you to try and figure out how you're going to sort it out. And that's not something that many of us can. So we'll die of depression, we'll die of stress, because you're trying to run up and down to give basic needs, yet you really want to give the best, but your hands are tied. So oh. let's just embrace the difference. Let's just let's embrace, embrace the difference. Oh, yeah, that yeah, is let's it. Embrace the difference. Love and acceptance. Nothing mm-hmm. more do they want from us? Just mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm
0: thank you, thank you. I, I had a show uh, most recently on sickle cell and one of the guests on the show who was 40 and a sickle cell patient she now has three children when she was told she would die at before 16 and all that and her parent had six of them four were sickle cell anemic they did not know that you know but just from what you just said i remember what she said that somebody told her mother to take those children and dump by the river so they can all be eaten by the sharks because they're worth nothing but mm-hmm. advocacy is what she's been doing and it's changing lives today she's 41 years old and she speaks about it like nobody mm-hmm. i like we need to address the stigmatization issue that you face with your grandchild being autistic mm-hmm.
2: yeah Now uh, the ground the grandson being autistic is actually a thing of what sylvia is talking about mm-hmm. about being segregated about looked at, at as if you are bewitched in, in, yeah. our, in our culture, in our Kikuyu culture. We have the, the, the notion that you are bewitched, somebody bewitched you so that you can have such a kid. The others will say you are dowry. In our Kikuyu culture, they talk about the dowry. Oh, you are married, but you did not pay the dowry. That's mm. why we really, you are seeing your child is having an autistic child. The other one is about. Uh, the, the, the inherited inherited it could be the way Sylvia is saying there is somebody in your family those generations that had that thing and it's now have it has come back to you it is a curse it has been it has been said it's a curse so these things are actually bringing us down and the way doctor has talked about and the way we are also researching we are knowing that actually we have even learned about those people who have been treated area area intervention? We have even politicians. In this country we have very good accountants in our uh, our university here called Mr. The accountants are the autistic because when they had the area intervention and they were shown on the direction that they want. If at all, like uh, the child want to be uh, an accountant, they child to be a be a musician, they are shown mm-hmm. the, that direction actually they are doing doing the best according to what the doctor is saying these that's why i call them the kings and queens they are people who can actually transform his world because they are genuine they are people who cannot cheat they cannot lie on you they say what they want and that's why i think even they scream when they see that you are not doing actually what they want and they cannot be able to talk to you like my my grandson <laughs> the other day, Sylvia, you can even laugh at it. I said in the group, my, 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 my daughter came with my grandson in town, and my grandson was like, he's crying at the highest of his voice. And here in Nairobi, we have the, 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 the problem of the hawkers looking around because of the police for the city coming <laughs> to arrest them because of their merchandise, selling the merchandise the, the around. We call them Kajo. And then they thought, wow, Kaju has come. And that was my grandson's screaming. <laughs> <privilege. laughs> yeah, we had to love. Laugh. He <laughs> was like so they, 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 they usually do that. They attract even attention. That means even my daughter the other day, she said that I was very much happy about it. These are people who can even attract people to themselves for great and great things in this world. They can make even this world change even though they can be given by us the adult persons because as the adult persons and it's our responsibility to give these children what they need and not not only the, the autistic children all the children they need the adult persons to care, to care for them because they are the future of our countries they are the future and these are the future leaders, they are the future of our countries. When we will be all like myself, I'm a grandma. I need my grandson to look yeah. after me. Yeah. I'm aged. And I know he'll be like, Oh, I want my grandma to have what she needs. So I'm like, this is my Isaac according to the Bible. And my daughter actually, she's called Salah. You mean I look at even in the very way. Sarah mm-hmm. has my Isaac, who is mm-hmm. actually, I know, with time, Kwame. Will be very new. Kwame will be treated and Kwame will become normal. And he <laughs> one day talk to me and tell me, thank you, grandma, because of going for my intervention, looking the people from looking for doctors all the way from India, looking for Mabel from America and Sylvia, the campaigner, just to make sure that I get the best. I know one day he hug me with a big hug. Tell me, but I don't believe in this culture of saying that my grandchild is, would be wished or whatever. Yeah. I'm yeah. a God-fearing woman, and I believe in God, the creator of heaven and earth. And I know God has a purpose with our autistic children, and that's why he created them with a purpose to, for people to know there is a God. There is a God who creates each and everything that he desired, and it pleased him. Thank you
0: so much. Wow, uh, you know, <laughs> don't give up, like Dr. Sharma said. Dr. Sharma, I don't know about India. I'm African. Um, if you don't mind addressing the, the culture surrounding persons with special needs in India before we wrap up.
1: So actually, it is exact you know very similar to what is there in, Afri- uh, in Africa, and uh, you know these children are called um, all kinds of names, and uh, you know they're looked down upon. You know other parents don't like their children to mix with these kids mm. and also for some reason there is always a tendency to put the blame on the mother you know like whenever there's a child with special needs it it's always the mother's fault okay it never seems to be the father's fault so um uh, there, there is that um there is that uh, there, there is that, uh Tendency, but uh, you know, uh, fortunately, what's happened uh, recently? Our our uh, prime minister, Prime Minister Swami Narendra Modi, uh, he he did something you know fantastic. He changed the nomenclature. So earlier there was a word for disability. It was called uh, Divyang. That means uh, Divyang meant disability, like people who can't do things. You know, mm. and he said after this we will not refer to them as Viklang. Sorry, it was Viklang and. He said we will call them divyang. We'll call them specially gifted. Divyang is godlike. Look you at know? that. So, so so he so now the official nomenclature uh from from being disabled or viklang, that means from being able to not do that, it is changed to having divine feet Divyang is having divine uh, properties, you know. Look at
3: that. Now
1: with the prime minister saying that and changing the official nomenclature, so now we can't call these, we can't use that old word. You know we we have to use the word and also the government came out Um, uh, our prime minister came out with a, a beautiful act it's called the right of persons with disability act it's a new law and that law uh, gives a lot of special rights to parents for example very often uh normal schools do not take children with autism you know but this law actually says that no school can refuse admission so if a special needs child comes to you you have to have a shadow teacher and you have to have inclusive education and i think this is very important because when the government starts giving rights to parents when as parents you have a right when you walk into a school and a school cannot say no to you because you are protected by the law of the land
4: Mm -hmm. that
1: is when things start shifting that is when change happens so um, i think uh, you know if some of the governments in africa actually just studied our uh, rights. Uh, rights of it's called the Rights of Persons with Disabilities Act, and so we incorporated some of those things, you know. And and and, and there's nothing difficult. It's a law for pe- people with disabilities, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. It's just two rights. It's giving you uh, certain privileges. It's, mm-hmm. it's telling the rest of the world what can't be done. So so this is when when this happens slowly, you know, the uh, attitudes change, and uh, then we. Uh, and then, of course, there is this whole, you know, new modern, you know, because now India is leading the world in stem cell therapy, the greater awareness, uh, there is now hope. So the moment, you know, a diagnosis is made, you know, today parents, they will Google, they will find out and moment they realize, yes, there is hope. So the big shift that has happened in India is unlike earlier, where once you had a diagnosis, you know, all hope was taken away from you. The medical profession said nothing can be done society looked at you differently educational institutes didn't support you the government you know didn't give you protection the insurance company said well if you water them we cannot you know you know give give treatments to you suddenly the a shift starts happening it's a shift in the wind you know so when you have government laws and when you have modern, so modern science medicine you know it gives you hope it's whether you take the stem cells or you don't take stem cells whether you do rehab just knowing that it is possible to reverse autism mm-hmm. just know it energizes you okay it does. It you, yeah you know, it, it gives you a direction so it's like earlier you were you know let's say you were shipwrecked and you're in the middle of an ocean with no direction you don't know whether to go north south east west because water are everywhere and there's no help now at least there's land in the distance okay you know it's a long way but you can slowly swim mm-hmm. towards what's there yeah just having that direction having that hope seeing land it's like if you're in a dark tunnel there's light at the end of the tunnel that itself is good enough because it keeps you mm-hmm. going once parents have hope and they know something you know parents of children with autism will do whatever it takes you know to be able to help the children but they need to know that there is something that can be done the availability of stem cells the availability of you know integrative oxygen-based therapies and rehab this together is giving you hope so it is changing the way people are looking at the combination of research modern medicine new treatments with government laws with our prime minister saying you will not call them disabled anymore you will call them specially gifted it has changed the entire environment i wish the rest of the world follows the same yeah yeah
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Sharma. I live in the United States where the laws to protect anybody who has any type of special need, there's so many of such laws, you cannot not mess with them. And I wish that just like India has done, other countries in Africa where I'm from would do that. And that can only come from the government. And the government cannot do that unless advocates like Sylvia and Winnie keep doing what they're doing and someday it will effect change. Thank you so much for being on to talk to me Africa today. I know this is the beginning of many more uh, conversations to be had regarding autism and any other special needs that we have here in the world. We just want to be there for them and they are nothing less than the other children who are, in parentheses, normal. Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Vinnie. Uh, Thank you, Mabel. It's been wonderful talking to you. You Wonderful very inspirational meaning uh, Sylvia especially you and many I want you to know that as parents you are the ones who inspire us you are mm-hmm. the ones who you know motivate us stimulate us it's your energy it's your cry for help that makes us you know you know put in our sweat and blood and everything else to be able to do something mm-hmm. so uh, I just want you to know that you are your you genuine inspirations not just to other parents but even to us in the field who are trying to do the best we can Thank you so much, Mabel. This was a wonderful conversation. You were. Thank you. Talk to me, Africa. Talk to me, Africa. Talk to me, Africa.